go over railroad tracks today in Texas, what do you think of? What kind of cargo is this train carrying? Is there actual stuff in there? Or do you think quick, drive fast over the tracks because I don't want to get stopped behind a train. You never know how long it's going to take. Or why do we even need trains? I'll tell you what I think of. I think of my family, specifically my grandfather. Hi y'all, my name is Emily Torres and I'm a student at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I wanted to share this story and history with you today because the railroad has been a part of my family for generations. We can date back to knowing that my family has been working on the railroad as late as the 19th century. Therefore, the railroad and the history it holds within my family means a lot to me. I've grown up hearing some of these railroad stories countless of times and I've always thought that they were fascinating. So I hope you enjoy listening and learning about the railroad with me and my grandfather today. First, I think it's fitting to give you some history on Texas railroads. To give you a brief rundown, railroads in Texas were first constructed in 1851 and the first portion of the track opened in 1853. The Galveston and Red River Railway Company was chartered in 1848, but this company did not break ground for its railway until 1853. Texas was running into issues trying to transport things by ships. Therefore, finding a cheaper and faster route for transportation of goods was imperative for industries. However, keeping up with the construction and funding of the railroad was a complicated process. First, you would have to acquire the land, then pay for the materials to construct the railroad, and of course, find a way to pay for the labor and manual aspect. That was a part of this significant construction process. So understandably, this process was an enormous task, not to mention all the legal struggles that came along with it. Everything needed to be funded and approved by the government. So if a senator did not want to support the land on which the railroad was intended to be built upon, it wasn't constructed. My grandfather, Frank R. Torres, is one of the most loving people that I know. His infectious smile and contagious laugh can light up a room. His demeanor shines when he talks about his family and how proud he is of us. But something inside him lights up even more when he talks about working on the railroad. Like I've stated earlier, growing up, we always knew and heard about Huito, which is the nickname we call my grandfather, working on the railroad. My father's office has pictures of my grandfather in his uniform or of him in front of trains. My little brother's early love and passion for trains has stemmed from hearing the stories we have all grown to love as a family. However, I have never sat down with him as an adult and really asked him about his experiences on the railroad. I've never asked him about his fun stories or how working on the railroad for 38 years has affected him. In this clip, you will hear my grandfather talk about why he chooses to work on the railroad. And uh, so I went and talked to him. I needed about a semester to graduate from college. And, uh, and this, was, it, this was in May. So I said, well, this would be a great summer job. And uh, I, when, when I went to see him, you know, he told me all, I didn't even know what a brakeman would do. But anyway, I, you know, he, he said uh, there's an opportunity because right now uh, civil rights was was very prevalent in, in those in back in 1968 when I started working on the railroad that uh, they wanted 
they wanted to hire some Hispanics in, in the operating department. And I said, well, you know, I, I said, I, I, I'm very interested because what they had told me, the pay was fairly good and everything. So I, he said, uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, I can, I can call and fix a, an interview for you. And, and I went to San Antonio and that's how I started. This then sparked my interest in talking about being a Mexican-American on the railroad. My grandfather was the first Mexican-American to be promoted to becoming an engineer in his division. This was a big deal because in 1968 there were not many minorities who were being considered for this position at the time. This was in the peak of the civil rights movement. In the 1960s, a radicalized Mexican-American movement began pushing for new identification. The Chicano movement, aka El Movimiento, advocated social and political empowerment through achicanismo, or cultural nationalism. Throughout the early 20th century, many Mexican-Americans attempted to assimilate and even filed legal cases to push for their community to be recognized as a class of white Americans so they could gain civil rights. But by the late 1960s, those in the Chicano movement abandoned efforts to blend in and actively embrace their full heritage. Leaders in the movement pushed for change in multiple parts of American society, from labor rights to education reform to land reclamation. But in the operating department, there were no Hispanics at that time. It was kind of like a family job, you know. Uh, if if your father worked on the railroad, you have a very you had a very good opportunity to to be able to work on the railroad. But because there was a lot of sometimes discrimination. And even though you could have done the job, but you weren't, you know, they didn't give you an opportunity. During that time, the civil rights was very, very strong. This was like in, uh, uh, during uh, President Johnson administration. Right. And uh, they were trying to get people, minorities, to work in these, in these departments. So... When I was given this opportunity, I was the very first one to work in the operating department. And then I, when I moved over into engine service to become an engineer, I was the first Hispanic to to work as an engineer in, in my division. And that I always wanted to be, you know, I'll do a very, very good job so they would never say, well, you know, you, you see, you hired that that uh, young Mexican boy and he doesn't know anything or something like that. And, and I always wanted to be the best. I, I wanted to, to do the best job that I could do. Mexican-Americans on the railroad were the foundation of constructing railroads in Texas. As we know, the railroad has been a job in my family since the late 1800s. So to give you some history, let's talk about how we started here. My great-great-grandfather, Amarante Torres, left home at age 16 to start working on the railroad as a water boy. He then was promoted to section foreman, but died in 1929 from a stroke at the Devil River section. My great-grandfather, Francisco Torres, then decided to start working on the railroad at a young age. He was promoted to brakeman and worked at that job until he was furloughed in the late 1950s. And finally, 
my grandfather, as we know, started his journey on the railroad. He was a brakeman, a fireman, and finally an engineer. It meant a lot to him to become the first railroad engineer in his family. Like he said, he always wanted to be the best, and he worked long, long hours to achieve that goal. That prompted me to ask him, what were your hours like on the railroad? Because from memory, I knew that this wasn't exactly a nine-to-five job. Well, you're absolutely right, because most of the time, the railroad gives the the maintenance way, the people that maintain the right-of-way, like the tracks and all that, they give them what they call a window for eight hours. And that window, they, they, they block all a section of track so they can work on it and fix it and repair it and do whatever they have to do. So after that window is over, say they'll start at eight o'clock so, and they don't get through till four, four o'clock. And then they start calling the trains after four. So you might, you might go to work at uh, eight o'clock at night or mm-hmm. 12 o'clock, uh, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Most of the time when the operating department works, you work at night and you have to be up. You know, you, you, you can't go to, well, you know, I, I can go to sleep or something like that. No, there's no sleeping on the railroad. He said you had to be awake and alert 100% of the time. Trains typically carry materials that are hard to transport by plane or ship. Therefore, my grandfather said at times they would carry harsh chemicals. Could you imagine if they have gotten into an accident and had a massive chemical spill? Not to mention how much money that would have cost you and the train. I then asked my grandfather a rather personal question. I think he hadn't been asked yet by a member of our family. And that question was, would you do it all over again? If you could go back in time, would you still choose to work on the railroad? Would you make the sacrifices for your family all over again? He paused and laughed and then proceeded to tell me a story about a memory he had working on the railroad. This is a perfect example of how hard it was and the sacrifices he had to make. But uh, there was a lot of times that uh, you couldn't be at home because maybe you had a, maybe your wife's birthday or your daughter's birthday or your son's birthday and you couldn't be at home because you had to be working. But uh, I'll never forget the, that the first time, the first Christmas that I worked on the railroad, that was one of the most miserable Christmases that I ever uh, had because I was always used to spending Christmas with with your, your grandmother's uh, family and uh, we would have such a great time together and we would laugh and there was so much food and drink and everything. It was just a great time and a lot of fun. Well, back then, we we worked on the railroad on what you call an extra board. When you were young, well, you worked when a regular man did not work. So, and especially during the Christmas time, well, well, the regular guys, they would lay off and that would give an opportunity to the extra man to work. And there wasn't no guarantee, uh, no guarantee pay. So you only were paid what you earned because somebody else didn't work. And uh, I remember that we we took off on, on Christmas Eve 
And there's a little ghost town west of Langtree, Texas, which is about 15 miles from Langtree, which is called Pumpville. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got, I got, uh, you had to, I had to flag a train. In other words, they dropped me off and the train went and I had to be there waiting for this other train to stop this train. Because back then, of course, you didn't have a centralized traffic control. You had everything put by train order. They would print out a piece of paper or you had to stop and, and you had to flag a train down to stop it. And uh, I remember spending a couple of hours waiting for this train to get there. And uh, it was cold and I was I was afraid that if I built the fire, they would... Maybe they would, uh, you know, they would tell me, well, you couldn't build a fire, you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that. And boy, that was such a, such a, just <laughs> such a Christmas that almost made me cry just wanting to, to to be back home. Yeah. And now that you tell me, would I do it again? Maybe I would. <laughs> I, I did all of this because of, of my, of my family, the love for my wife and my my family to support my family so they would never never have to suffer to go hungry and I said well if if I have to do this well this is what I gotta do my grandfather now spends his time as a proud retiree in Del Rio Texas he lives there with his wife Tina Torres my grandmother and their four dogs I asked him what he was up to now after being 14 years of being retired. He is a proud Mason and has been a grandmaster of at least five lodges in the Valverde, Brackettville, Morris, Eagle Pass, and Carrizo Springs, which is a Bennett Lodge. Masonry is the oldest fraternity in the world, he said. Some of our founding fathers, like Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, were a part of this fraternity. Masonry is a huge factor in my grandfather's retired life. He still visits the lodge at least once a week and interacts with his fellow brothers in the area. My grandfather also decided to finish his college degree. He only had 15 credits left when he decided to work for the railroad. So, when he retired, he finished up his degree in business administration from Sol Ross University 38 years later. He even carries a mini-sized copy of his degree in his wallet. Education was a significant factor to him. He always tells me, Mija, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to finish. Just finish. Looking back, I'm extremely thankful for the stories my grandfather has provided me. These are recorded memories and stories that my family and I will have for the rest of my life. The stories that I've heard over and over again as a child now finally make sense when you listen to them as an adult. The long years of hard work, sacrifice, and dedication my grandfather had to the railroad is inspiring. The fact that he paved the way for several Mexican-Americans to become engineers in his division makes him a pioneer, an inspiration to many young workers. I hope these stories have brought you joy to listen to as they have for me and my family and to my grandfather, Huito. I love you and I can't thank you enough for providing us with your personal stories of trials and tribulations on the railroad. You are an amazing grandfather. I love you.